You are listening to a message from Life City Church Houston. For more information about our church, visit our website at lifecitychurchhouston.org. And now with you, today's message. Enjoy sharing the word and we had taken a couple of uh, weeks off due to the baby and, um, and now starting in this, this weekend and the month of May and the rest of the year, our commitments are back and uh, I'm like, man, I should have taken another month off to be with the baby. So anyway, but we're glad that you're here and we want to get into the word of God. We're in Luke chapter 5. Verse 3 and 7. I want to continue and finish today, Lord willing, with the message that we brought last week, how to get a net-breaking catch. I believe all of us are wanting a miracle from God. We all have some needs that are before God. And we have, um, we want, we've had many breaks, but we, I believe we want a breakthrough. And, and, um. We talked about these men that had gone fishing and how they were needing that catch. Luke chapter 5, verse 3. I'm going to start with verse 3. So then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking... He said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their nets, their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners on the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. Here we find four men that are frustrated. We find four men that feel defeated. They feel like failures. They have been fishing all night and uh, they haven't caught anything. And out of this agonizing experience, these men come out of the boat. Two of them are mending their nets, fixing the, to- the tears on it. And two of them are cleaning their nets. The nets, as we spoke last Sunday, are the central part for this miracle. Without their nets, they wouldn't be able to catch. Without their nets, they wouldn't be able to meet their needs. And when they're getting out of the boat, frustrated, working all night and caught nothing, that morning was not going to be the end of a frustrated night. Something awesome, something mind-blowing was going to take place. See, when the Lord entered that boat, the boat was in a, the atmosphere the, how can I say it? To go into a boat where all night they had been working and caught nothing, 
There's frustration. Have you ever been next to somebody that's just frustrated? Huh? Look at me. Don't look at the person next to you. Have you ever been around people that are moody? Everything that they tried to do to, to be right wasn't right. And so it's like you don't even want to be there. You don't even want to be with them. It's, it's, the atmosphere is just so tense. Well, Jesus gets into this boat that to a certain degree there's tension in, in the boat. Because you got frustrated men that have been working hard all night and they've not caught anything. They're exhausted. They're frustrated. They are fatigued. They've lost a whole night's, uh, a night of work. They've lost valuable hours and not caught anything. They feel very overwhelmed uh, with a sense of failure. And, and not only that, but you got to understand these, these fishermen were commercial fishermen. They made, they made their livelihood out of that. You see, they, they, they depended on that good catch. They could not meet their needs without that good catch. They had bills to pay. Maybe even the boat was a brand new boat and they had boat payments to pay. Uh, they, they, they just needed, just like you need your hours of work to meet the needs that you have. They depended on, on the fish. And so they are frustrated for the fact that, that they didn't catch anything. They got bills that are coming up. He's got a, a wife that wants to go get her nails done. Hello? Man, I don't know what's up with this little earpiece. And, and so they, they're frustrated. You see, the, the question that plagued their mind was, now what are we going to do? Has anybody been there? Now what do we do? The house payment is due. The car payment is due. The insurance is due. The utility is due. We haven't paid, the, you know, the, the light, the gas. What are we going to do now? And, and so they understood that, that without their nets, they wouldn't have success. They understood that despite that they had uh, um, not caught anything, it was very important to clean their nets. It was very important to fix and mend the nets that, that had been torn because they knew they would have another opportunity to go and, and, and fish again. And the last thing that you want is to have an opportunity come your way and all of a sudden you miss out on the opportunity because your nets were not cleaned and your nets were not repaired. So they understood nothing was going to happen without their nets. We mentioned last week that the nets represent our lives. That if we're not getting our answered prayer and if our lives are not living a life of victory, that we shouldn't complain to God, that we should examine ourselves. We are that nets and we must repair the, the, uh, the areas of our life that are torn, relationships that have been torn. We must clean the nets, clean our minds and our hearts. Those things are our main factor for God to give you the catch that you need, to give you the miracle. Those are Sometimes God sends the blessings our way, but because our our lives are not the way they should be, then we lose the catch. We seem to have it, but it gets away. Has anybody gone fishing and had the big one that got away? Huh? I had one that said, oh, it was so big, I had to cut the line, otherwise it would sink us. Yeah, right. But anyway, and so they understood that the nets were vital to their success. 
without it, they couldn't catch. You see, their success, their livelihood, their present, even their future were all dependent on the condition of their nets. And that same thing applies to us. Many of the things that we want from God are dependent on how our lives and how our nets are, how the condition of our nets are. You see, nets were made up, listen closely, and you know what nets were made up. They were made up of, of, of lines or strings, ropes that are tied together in an orderly fashion. They, they, they form a mesh that, that allow you to catch the fish but also to retain the fish. And if you're going to get that big catch that you need from God, then there's a special kind of net that needs to be in order. I'm not talking about a, a net to go fishing out at sea. I'm talking about the spiritual net that we need in our lives. And just as a, a net has all these um, strings tied together in an orderly fashion to form that mesh, our spiritual lives need to also be tied together to form that mesh, that net that would allow God to fill it up and not lose that catch. What are you talking about? You see, our spiritual lives need a, a commitment. If that line of commitment is, is ripped, is torn, is not tied, that is an area in your life where the catch, the fish can go through you need dedication and the line of obedience and of worship need to be there. You need the line of prayer, the line of praise. You need the line uh, 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 to be fitly and, and knitly tied together uh, of faith and, and the love for God's word, the love for God's house, the love for God's people. You've got to uh, be knitted together even in your commitments with God, with your tithing and your offering, compassion for the lost. You, you need to be knit together in your sensitivity to the Spirit of God. You need to be knit together in your purpose and your willingness to do God's will. And once your nets are clean and once your nets are fixed, then you're able to receive that word that will allow you to catch the catch that you've never seen before in your life. It's not until after God or Christ himself being on the boat, saw that they had already cleaned their nets and they had already had mended their torn nets. It was only then that he directed a word to them. I'm in Luke chapter 5 verse 3. There's some lessons we can learn from this. In Luke chapter 5 verse 3 it says, When he got into one of the boats, which is Simon's, listen closely, he asked him to put out a little from the land. The first thing that we learn in this is, Never deny God, listen closely, what he asks of you. Never deny God what he asks of you. If God is asking something from you, it's because he wants to use it for his glory. You see, Jesus being on the shore and the people being there, he couldn't amplify his voice. So what he does, he gets on the boat, asks Peter, why don't you shove off away a little bit. And now the winds from the sea would amplify his voice to the multitudes. So he was not only asking the boat so that he could use it for his glory, but he's also asking the boat because he wants to convert it into a blessing. Can you imagine what was spoken on that boat that whole night when they caught nothing? 
Can you imagine every time pulling up? Oh, it's heavy. I think we got in the, all they got was two pieces of log. Huh? And they threw it out again, and all of a sudden they're pulling it out. And it's, oh, this one's even heavier. And they're, they're piece, picking up a, a couple of tires from Galveston. All night they're throwing out their nets and they're catching nothing. All night they're throwing out their nets and they've worked and pulled it up and nothing. Could you imagine what they were saying on that boat? Huh? If Peter, who had had three and a half years, had been with Christ and when they were crucifying him and arresting him, he was cussing. Can you imagine what Peter was saying on that boat? Could you imagine what they're saying about those nets? This stupid piece of blankety blank blank. So he wanted to take that which seemed to be not a blessing. He wanted to convert it into a blessing. He was about to turn that ship that had nothing and had received nothing but criticism was going to be a ship that Jesus got on, a ship that was going to have a miracle on it. And when God asks you something, don't deny it. He wants to use it for his glory, but he also wants to convert it into a blessing because maybe you have not seen the potential of everything that God's given you and placed in you. You haven't seen the full extent of what God wants to do with it. The third thing you got to understand is that when God asks you for something, he not only wants to use it for his glory, not only does he want to turn it around and make it a blessing, but the third thing he wants to do when he asks you something is he's asking it because he already has in mind how he's going to bless you. He already has in mind what he's going to do to bless you. He already had in mind, even the night before, I'm not going to let them catch anything. You see, God can control and God can speak even to the fish. I mean, in the Old Testament, he, sp he spoke to a big fish and told them, swallow up Jonah and you better not digest them. In the New Testament, he spoke to the fish. Go pick up two coins that, that are on the bottom and eat them. You're going to get caught. They're not going to eat you, but they're going to get caught and they're going to take the coins out of your mouth and release you. When they came and they asked, Peter, who, who pays taxes here? Does he pay taxes or not? And Jesus said, go and the first fish you catch, you'll find two coins in there. I mean, he could have told the fish, jump on the boat that night. He has control over everything. He knows how he wants to bless. He knows how he wants to blow your mind away. So when God asks you for something, even though you're frustrated and even it feels like it didn't work, let God use it. He'll use it for his glory. Not only that, but he's going to turn that around into a blessing. But number three, he already has in mind, how am I going to bless you? How am I going to reward you for you lending and giving me, first of all, what I've given you? And so he gives them that command, can you take me out and let me use your boat? Luke chapter 5 verse 3 says this. And he sat down and he taught the multitudes from the boat. Now this is important because there's two times Jesus is speaking. Listen. He sat down and he taught who? The multitudes from the boat. Verse 4. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon... Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Two times Jesus is speaking. The first time he's speaking, he is speaking to the multitudes. This word is not for Simon. This word is for the multitudes. 
But after he speaks to the multitudes, now he turns around and now he speaks to Simon. He speaks to Simon. It's called, in, in, in the Greek, it's called a rhema word. There's two words in the Greek for, for word of God. The first one is the logos word and the other one is the rhema word. The logos word is this, the Bible. It's been written out, it's there, but the rhema word, there's a word that's associated with the logos, the word of God that comes out and speaks to you. Let me explain it to you this way. The definition of a rhema word is this, a word, a specific word given to a specific person in a specific situation. A specific word given to a specific person in a specific situation of the moment. In other words, let me give you an example. Do you remember when there was the storm in the sea and Jesus comes out walking on the waters. He calms the sea and the waves and Peter Jesus said, fear not, it is, it is I. And, Jesus, and Peter says this, if it's you, command me to walk out on the water to you. Remember, a rima word is a specific word to a specific person in a specific situation. And so Jesus says, come. There's a specific word. To who? To Peter. It's a specific person. Specific situation, the storm. The storm is there because you remember that the storm, he saw the waves and thinking that he was going to drown, he began to sink. A rima word is a specific word to a specific person for a specific situation in the moment. And in that moment, God gives Peter a specific word, a rhema word. Why? Because it's a specific word. What's the word? Go out into the deep. Who's that word to? To Peter, what's the specific situation? You've busted, you're broke, you haven't caught nothing all night. It's just a moment where God gives a specific word for that situation. That's why it's important that when you come to church or when you come to a Bible study or when you come to, 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 to a, a, a Bible lesson, a, a preaching, whatever, you must be attentive and Realize that even though it is the whole word of God, there may be a specific word for your moment, for your life, for your situation that you've been presenting before God that you don't know what to do. God gives you a specific word, and that's called a rhema word. And Peter is frustrated. Peter is just down and out. Peter has not caught any, but he has cleaned his nets. He has fixed the nets. He is waiting for that opportunity. For him, it was going to be that night, but for Jesus, it was going to be at noon, and he says, I'm giving you a word. Let's launch out to the deep, because I know you've caught nothing, and let's try and see if you could trust me enough to obey me so that I can fill that net and give you a catch that you would have never caught even if you caught all, all night. And so that Rima word, listen, even though it's a Rima word, a word, for a specific word given to a specific person, in a specific situation, that word that God gives you will always be in conflict with your knowledge. Have you ever been with people that they know it? I know. Hey, I need for, oh, I know. Just to remind you that you, oh, I know. Hey, do you, oh, oh, I know. And because you know it all, that word that God gives you will clash with what you know. 
Because try, try to think for a moment what Jesus is asking Simon to do. First of all, Simon is a fisherman. He knows about fish. He knows about nets. He knows about water temperature. He knows when's the best time to go fishing. He's not, this isn't the full, the, the first bull he's ridden. You know what I'm saying? He, he's a fisherman by trade. This is the first time that he's going out to fish. He's done this all his life. When he was born, he was born with the net in his hand. So here's Jesus telling him, and it's about noon. And he's telling him, launch out into the deep. Okay, wait a minute. I'm a fisherman, Jesus. You're a carpenter. You're, you're a teacher. There's a big difference. Hello? You work with nails and wood. Okay, you make furniture, tables, and chairs. I go fishing. I have a boat. I know when to go. So I had a bad day. But you're going to come and tell me when I should go out? Hello? I know, I know y'all ain't got that kind of a spirit. You've never had that dialogue with God. But for the next few moments, just, just listen into the conversation or just listen to me talk to myself. But a rhema word from God will always have conflict with what you know and your knowledge. Hey, I'm a fisherman. You're a carpenter. You're a teacher. If anything if anything, if anyone should be teaching or talking about fishing and what to do, it shouldn't be you, Jesus, to me. It should be me teaching you how you fish. The rhema word not only has conflict with what you know, but the rhema word of God will always clash with your experience. With what you've done, with what you've experienced. You see, Simon had been fishing all night already. Simon understood that the best time to catch is at night. That the best time to go out to the deep is at night. Simon understood that when the day comes and the sun comes out, the fish will hide in the bedrocks and hide in the logs because when the sun comes out, the bigger fish can see them and have them for lunch. You don't go fishing. I know. Been there, done that. And sometimes when God gives us a word that goes beyond or that is different than what we have experienced, we tend to dialogue and we try to convince God that we know what's best because I've been there, I've done that. Hello? And so when you get that ream of words of God, Sometimes there's that tugging and that pulling because of what I know and because of what I've experienced. You, you, you've got to understand that, that um, sometimes we're so caught with tradition. We've always done it this way. You're going to come and tell, we've always done it this way. Oh, we, we've always done it this way. Why are you going to change? We've always done it this way. Why are you going to do that? We've always done it this way. And even a ream of word from God will fight with our traditions because we're so used to doing it one way that we can't trust God, that he's God and he knows better than we do. And finally, it's frustrating because you're telling me, and I, I, I know what I'm talking about. I've already experienced. Can you see my eyes? I haven't even gone home. I'm afraid to go home. 
You know what my wife is going to ask? How much did you catch? How much did you sell it for? And where's the money? And I don't have any of that. I didn't catch anything. I didn't go to the market. And I didn't get no money. And now you want me to go out again and do something that's not going to work. And all you're going to make me do is to throw those nets out again at the risk of ripping them because there's no fish during the day. Ripping them, bringing up logs and all kinds of stuff and getting them dirty all over again. And all you're going to do is make me have to work over again because I've got to go back out tonight. And a ream of word of God will always have that conflict, that tugging and that fighting with our knowledge, and with our experience. But we tend to forget what Isaiah 55, 8 says. Isaiah 55, 8 says that for my thoughts are not your thoughts and my ways are not your ways. God has a way of doing things in our life and doing things for us that go beyond of the natural, go beyond of what we know, and go beyond of everything that we've experienced. God has a way of doing things, and that's why he says, my ways are not your ways. You see, my ways are way up here, yours are down here. My thoughts are way up here, and yours are way down here. God can see beyond your tomorrow when you can barely just see the next minute that's coming to you. And so God says, my ways are not your ways my thoughts are not your thoughts. A rima word, listen to me, cannot be caught by the shore. The rima word of God is one that takes you out where you trust God and you believe God and you go and you're willing to abandon what you know and what you've experienced and say, but I can trust God. God knows better and I will trust him. And that's what Peter was trying to, in spite of all of this. Because listen, a rima word, you have to do it even when it doesn't make sense. None of this made sense to Peter. No, you don't go out at noon. You go out at night. It doesn't make sense that you're wanting me to go out and re-throw my net back into the water when I just took it out and just cleaned it. But you've got to obey Jesus even when it doesn't make sense. And the Bible says in Luke chapter 5, verse 5, But Simon answered and said to him, he said, um, Master... I don't know or if you know or not, but, but see these eyes? They haven't gotten any sleep. We've been fishing all night, and, and we've been there all night and have caught everything but fish. It ripped our nets, and we just mended them. They got dirty, bringing all kinds of junk, and we just cleaned them. All we want to do is go home and get some sleep and try to forget this miserable day and see if tonight we can make up for what we didn't catch today. That's basically what, 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 what Peter is trying to tell Jesus by saying that. We, we worked all night. <laughs> I know what I'm telling you. I know this. And, and we didn't catch anything. We've got experience. We've been there and done that. But, but I like what he says here because you've got to get him some, some, some credit because he says... Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Nevertheless, I know it doesn't make sense to me because I know I shouldn't be going out. And everybody that's on the shore is going to be looking at me and laughing at me probably. 
Because they know that you're not supposed to go out at noon. And even though it doesn't make sense, but I, at, at your word, I, I'm going to go ahead and drop it down because I believe your word. Because I believe your word, I'm going to go ahead and obey and I will let down my net. That, 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 that is something that puts your faith to work even when it doesn't make sense. You see, we're the type of people that we want everything to make sense. I've got to be able to analyze it, and I've got to be able to connect all the dots, and I've got to be able to understand it all in my way of reasoning and thinking. And because we wait for that, our school of fish, our big catches are swimming by us, and we're not catching what God wants us to catch. We're not catching what we've been wanting to catch because we're too busy, again, arguing with God's word and my knowledge, God's word and my experience. And there has to come a point where you understand that your knowledge didn't make it happen. Your experience didn't make it happen. And you need now to make up for the things that your knowledge and experience didn't make happen, you need a miracle catch to make that up for you. Because if we're for real, for real, and we're honest with ourselves, we are behind in many things that we've asked God that have not happened, that my knowledge, my skills, my experience have not brought to pass those things and, and caught up with me that I need at this point. God, you've got to do something that I cannot do. You've got to do something that my knowledge cannot do. You've got to do something that my experience does not know how to do. And the word of God is faithful. The word of God is true. He says the heavens and the earth may pass away but my word will not pass away. He said that he watches over his word to perform it. And when we get that word that God releases to us we must learn to discern this is a rhema word for my moment, for my situation for my, my experience that, that, that needs an intervention from God because I've not been able to catch what I have been wanting to catch. And so he releases that word, and, and, and you've got to understand that even though it didn't make sense to Peter, because it didn't, he says, I'm going to do it anyway. And he says, nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. You know, sometimes God asks us to do things that don't make sense to us, and it doesn't make sense to the people around us. Doesn't make sense to the people that know us. But if God has spoken to us through his word, there's only one thing we can do. We must obey. We must act. Jesus one time said, he who comes to me and listens to my word and does it. In another book in the New Testament in James, he said, don't be only hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. And there's a difference between those that hear only and those that hear 
and do. When Jesus said, he that comes to me, hears my word and does it, he was talking about two types of people. Hear the same thing, have the same challenges, have the same circumstances, have the same storms that come their way. And he says, the one that hears and does is like the man that built his house on a rock. But then he says, but the man that hears and doesn't do it is like the man that built his house on the sand. You're always going to have some people that will see the results of God's word in action. And you always have another group of people that will see no results because they did not put God's word to action. That's the difference. Why does it work for some and not for others? Just one difference. I applied it and I believe. The other one says, I just heard it and just see what happens. And so he says, I know you told me to launch out to the deep. And I know you told me to throw my nets down. I know it really doesn't make sense because we've worked all night. That's a good time to fish. And in the prime time of fishing, we caught nothing. We worked hard. And in the prime time of fishing, we caught nothing. And so now you want me to throw down the nets. I'm going to throw them down even though it doesn't make sense. I'm going to let them down because you gave that word. And verse 6 and 7 of Luke chapter 5, I'm almost done. And when they had done this, when they had done what? When they had done what Jesus told them to do. When they had let down the nets because Jesus had told them to do that. When they had gone out into the deep because Jesus had told them to do that. You see, there's a difference, like I said, between those that listen and do and those that just listen and wait. When they had done this, they caught a great number of fish. That fish that they caught did not come until they acted on the word that God had given them. Against their knowledge, against their experience, they did it. And when they did it, not only did they catch a great number of fish, it says, and their net was breaking. They had never seen that type of a catch and that catch that they had was so big that the Bible says, if you keep reading, so they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats and they began to sink. Can you imagine that? They get such a catch that they said, if we don't release some of this fish, we are going to drown and we're going to sink in all this blessing. And it's not good for us to keep it to ourselves. And the reason God blesses you and gives you that miracle is so that you could share, share that miracle with somebody else. He wants you to share that miracle so that they can have faith in the God that just did the miracle for you. So that they can see the blessings of God. So that, and it says they signal to them. I, I, I imagine they were like in a point where like, ah. They, it doesn't say they shouted. It doesn't say that, hey, come help us over here. It's that they signal to them. And, and if this was their boat, you know, like right here, every moment it's like.
And the thing is, listen to this, that not only what they caught was sinking them, but it says that they called the other boat and the other boat also filled their boats up. And it says that both of them were sinking. Can you imagine how they felt? It didn't make sense. They were in the wrong time. They were fishing in the wrong season, if, you, if I could say. It was not the right time for them to catch. Everything was totally off. But because you said to throw the nets, even though it's not the right time, even though it's not the right season, even though it's not the right moment, everything becomes right when you do it in God's word. When you do it in God's word, it doesn't matter what time of the day, it doesn't matter what time of the year, if you do it when God tells you to do it, that's the right time to do it. And God will show himself faithful and powerful when you act on God's word. So, can you imagine, there's two boats out there that are sinking. And all the other guys from the other boats are saying, we caught all night, they didn't catch anything. And even everything we caught didn't make our boats sink at all. Even everything we caught didn't make our boats go down at all. And yet these guys go in the wrong time. These guys go out at the wrong time of the day when it shouldn't happen. And look at what they have. I'm here to tell somebody to trust God and his word. That it doesn't matter what other people say. It doesn't matter what the president is saying. It doesn't matter what Congress is saying. What needs to matter is what God is saying. And if God is saying it, that's the right time. If God is saying it, there's going to be a big catch. If God is saying it and I'm acting on it, I am going to be blessed to bless others as well. Even... If it doesn't make sense. I, let, let me close with this. Throughout the Bible you find people that did things when it didn't make sense. Think for example about Noah. Noah gets a word from God. And he says, look man, I'm tired of what's going on on the earth. The sin of man, I can't deal with it anymore. We're starting fresh. So I need for you to help me, and I want you to build the ark. What's an ark? A big boat, Noah. Okay, if I understand right, a big boat. Uh, boats go in water? Yes. The one that you're asking me to build, there ain't no water near us. You want me to build a boat, a big boat for every animal to fit in, and for miles and miles and miles, we don't even have a lake. Hello? Can you imagine him saying, okay, but nevertheless, at your word, I'm going I'm to build it. Can you imagine all the people coming to him, no, no, what are you doing? I'm building a boat. Why? Because there's, there's going to be a, a flood? Noah, you're way up there. We're down here. And even us from down here know there ain't no water around. 
are you seeing something up there that we ain't seen? Well, well no, there ain't no water. So why are you building a boat? Because God told me to. Why? Because it's going to rain. <laughs> rain. What's rain? It's never rained here. Oh, well, it's like, you know, the heavens, like, they're going to open and, like, water's going to come down. Noah, you've got to be crazy. It's never rained here. There ain't water for miles around here. And you're building a boat. You've got to be stupid. Even when it doesn't make sense. Even when it doesn't seem to be the right time. Act on God's word. And Noah trusted God when there was no rain and when there was no water. And yet that boat saved his life and his family's life because he believed and acted on God. Even when it didn't make sense. You remember Abraham. Abraham God tells him, I want you to get all your belongings and I want you to go to the land that I am going to show you. Sure, no problem. Uh, would you mind showing me like now to see where I'm going? And he says, no, just walk. Just go. Okay, nobody, well, maybe some of us guys because we don't like to ask for directions. But nobody gets in a car and just drives. Where are you going? I don't know. <laughs> are you on marijuana here or something? You're driving. Where are you going? I don't know. Okay. So how long is this trip that you don't know that you're going to? I don't know. <laughs> well, why don't you put it on the GPS? Duh. If I knew where I was going, I'd put it there. Can you imagine? And Abraham taking his family, dad, where are we going? Uh, well, he couldn't, they couldn't say that because he didn't have any kids yet. But maybe his, his family, his in-laws, like, hey, Abraham, where are you going? I, I don't know. You got to be stupid. You're dumb. Sarah, this is the guy? Out of all the guys that you could have had, you got this one? This one? Sarah, you're leaving. Where are you going? I don't know. Even when it doesn't make sense. And yet there came a moment when it all began to make sense. And he says, you're going to be the father of many nations. But he left, the Bible says, to a land that he did not know. And he went without going where he was going. Didn't, didn't, didn't make sense. Remember Moses? Moses, God calls him. Burning bush speaks to him and he tells him, I, I've heard the cry of Egypt, I've heard uh, the oppression, and I want you to go and deliver them. And so Moses goes and does, you know, the whole thing, the Ten Commandments, and uh, you know, the whole thing, the Ten Plagues. And finally, they leave Egypt. And they're all celebrating, going, and all of a sudden, God says, You know what, Moses? Hmm, I'm not done here, I want to have some fun. Some fun? Yeah. I want you to make a U-turn. But, but, but we're going okay here. No, 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 no. I want you to make a U-turn. And I want you to go that way. Um, 
have you seen where that ends? It, it, it ends like in the, uh, in, in the Red Sea. Have you seen that? It's like a, a dead end that to the right. There's mountains. To the left, there's the desert. And in front of us is the, is the Red Sea. You got to be kidding me. I got two and a half million people here. Do you know what they're going to do to me when they're seeing the promised land in front of them? And you're telling me to make a U-turn and find ourselves in a debt for real. I thought you loved me. It doesn't make sense. Oh, I got a plan. I want to, I, I, I got a good plan, Moses. Man, I got a good plan. You just got to see what I'm going to do to Pharaoh. I don't care what you're going to do to Pharaoh, what the people are going to do to me. This doesn't make sense. And finally, Moses obeys. And he goes and he finds himself. I told you, God, I'm about to get killed here. And all the people began, Moses, <clears throat> yeah, Moses, are you sure you took the right course, uh, direction, path, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I, are you sure, yes, for real, God told you to come this way, uh, yeah, Moses, didn't we tell you? That there was graveyards and grave sites in Egypt, and you brought us over here to get massacred, Moses. And everybody's starting to pick up stones, and Moses saying, God, I told you this doesn't make sense. And finally, God speaks to Moses and he says, Take your rod and extend it over the sea and divide it. And all of a sudden, God blows and that the sea divides in two. That breath of God was so, so strong. The Bible says that they walked across in dry land. Dry land. Which means that they walked in, it was dry. And when they walked out, there was no trace or footprints of the past where they had been to come in to where they are now. Are you listening? And all of a sudden, the armies come after them. And God once again releases the seas. And they come back together and drown Pharaoh's army. It didn't make sense. But look what God did. And if you're going to see that catch that you need in your life. You've got to make sure that your nets are clean. Washed. And mended. There may be relationships that need to be mended. And if they're not, your great catch is escaping through there. There may be areas in your life that need to be cleaned up in your heart, your mind. And if they're not, they're getting out and escaping through that because it can't close the way it needs to close. If you're going to see that catch that you've been asking for, you're going to have to trust God and do it, even if you have to be honest enough. I've worked, I know this, I've been there, done that. But nevertheless, at your word, I'm going to go ahead and act on it. And that rhema word 
is the one that's going to bring you the catch that you've never seen. That rhema word is going to bring you that miracle that you've been waiting for. And that answer to that prayer that you've wept for for months. That rhema word when you act on it. But again, that rhema word will only be effective and will only work if you as a net are clean and have been mended. As every head is bowed, every eye is closed. What do we need to do? What do I have to do to mend the nets? Who do I need to talk to? What things do I need to do? To clean my nets. How bad do you need that catch? Are you even tired of the catches that you've had? You've not been able to keep because they keep getting away. Maybe today's the day that you've got to do something different. Maybe today's the day where you've got to make certain decisions. You know, you're so close, you're so far away. It seems like you're just right there at a, at, at a moment, at a great opportunity, and that opportunity just went away. You're not closing the deal. You're not closing the catch. What needs to be done? Who needs to be here besides just you? Should your spouse be here? Should your children be here? What is it in the net that's torn that doesn't allow you to keep the family, to keep the relationship? All of us could use a good catch.